0: To eSports Odyssey, a podcast dedicated to making eSports simpler by breaking it down and learning from the best. On this show, we talk to successful people within the eSports ecosystem to see what sets them apart from the rest of us. Today, I'm here with Toby. He's been a long-term, especially PUBG commentator. I think uh, that's probably what people know you from uh, the most. You've, uh, you've started off as I know in uh, CSGO, and I think you've, you've probably done a, a couple of other FPS's uh, as well. We'll get into that a little bit later. You're a commentator, you're an analyst, you're signed with uh, Code Red, uh, great, great guys over there. You're a Twitch partner, you do a lot of streaming yourself too, so you do it all. You're a content creator, commentator, analyst, Twitch streamer, everything.
1: Yeah, most recently, tournament, I guess, organizer too. So, uh, yeah, I, I do a bit of everything <laughs> in the esports world.
0: Awesome. And you've already worked with uh, a lot of big, big uh, organizers like ESL, Starletter, PGL, GLL, you name them. Let's actually go a little bit further back. I want to start at what got you into video games in the first place uh, in your childhood. When, when was that? When was the first game? <laughs>
1: I think, and now I don't know what this is called in English, I should look that up, but you know the place you go to after school when you're a kid, but before your parents come to pick you up? Like, where you can hang out and play with all your friends. Like the kindergarten? Do all that. Yeah, I guess, maybe is that what it's called? I don't know. But it's like, when you're done with school, and then you go there before you get picked up by your parents. Either way, you guys watching this will know know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, So when we were there... You know what, I, I grew up in an age where one hour of gaming, one hour outside, either that or literally just one hour gaming in a day, everything else had to be playing with uh, other stuff because gaming is bad for you. Mm. And we all, of course, know that to be true. So so we had this, I guess it was uh, a NES or Amiga, uh, just one on um, like in this place, and you had this waiting list. You had to go sign up with the teachers there. You'd be put on the list, and then you knew you had like a half hour from three till half past three where this was your time to game and not only would you be the one gaming but because everybody else wanted to game as well they would stand behind you and watch because they were waiting for it to be their turn so you were already getting into the kind of competitive gaming thing then mm. and and you would always play on the safe of so if you're playing prince of persia some some of all these really old games you would be continuing the safe of the person who had played before you so it was like all of us in this child gang would work together to, to like to, to complete different games and taking turns when it was our turn uh, so that was that was probably my my big, and we, we're talking like seven eight years old here oh, so man. that was that was like my very my very intro it must, to it. it must have been rough if uh someone before you
0: did really well and then you let them down by losing all the lives <laughs>
1: Exactly. Yeah, because yeah, that was back in the day as well, where you couldn't just like you know microtransaction your way across a level, and and when you died, you like uh, you you died. There was an actual game over, right? So, so uh, yeah, that was um, that was probably my very first video game mm. experience. But in terms of like computer and more as we know now, video games, it's just I mean, going to the net cafes after school, and and uh, I think the same intro that most other people had to. Um to video games so, these days is. So what was your
0: what was your first uh, online online video game then? Hmm,
1: I think it must have been Counter-Strike. Then it must have been what? 1.5 cuz I remember going to a net cafe where we had to make our very um now it was just before Steam. So we would go and play that and then also Battlefield 1942. Mm. I think those two must have been the at least the two that I remember to have uh, played the most. I played a lot of vanilla WoW as well, but and now, I, of course, don't know the exact timeline, but I feel like Vanilla WoW was after 1942.
0: You know, there's, I think, there's a lot of people in esports that were very, very hardcore into World of Warcraft.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, I, I, I grinded my butt off in, uh, in, in WoW. Like I was a 14 year old raid leader back in the day. That's uh, trying to get 40 people onto Ventrilo to talk and clear an octious layer as a 14 year old. You learn your English like you improve that really fast. That that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you think, do you, think you, you learned a lot from that other than English? Oh, 100%. 100%. 100%. My, like, you learn. It's like with driving, right? They always tell you, you learn more in your first... Day when you're done with driving school, where you have to sit in the car on your own and try and drive, then where like that's where you really put everything together that you learned in your mm. driving classes, right? And I feel like the same with English. All the things that I learned in school just really like that, that was my practice. And then then when I went to um, like to play video games and whatnot, that was my like those were the matches, kind of. That's where I got to use it.
0: That makes sense. So you you did start though with uh, Counter Strike 1.6. Yes, um, yes. And uh, back then, did you did you compete or?
1: No, not at all. It, I mean, we competed at like the local LAN cafes, but that was really it. There was nothing. No prize money. No, no nothing. It was just me and school friends, and I don't, we were only we were never playing like the actual maps. We were always playing what is it called? Fy uh, Ice World and Pool Day Love and uh, Scouts and Scouts and Knives and. And we always loved putting the gravity on maximum so we would fly up in the air and then put it up minus so it would just fall down and die. Whoever had like the, the the server host power, he would always be the one that just ran around and killed everyone with with uh, with that. So we were just having fun. You know,
0: I remember in those days when we were just smaller groups of people and we weren't you know, we weren't yeah, yeah. like eight people or ten people. We were maybe five, right? We'd we'd usually Agreed. play yeah. play stupid stuff like uh one one v four on assault Mm -hmm. right (laughs) exactly exactly and the one person that ct is playing on their own uh that's uh, t is playing on their own trying to defend Mm. the hostages yeah now i remember a lot of times
1: i've tried to jump down from that roof and get into the tunnel (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah so
0: uh outside of outside of gaming outside of uh, cs and world of warcraft uh what what other kinds of hobbies did you have growing up
1: a lot of sport I'm the kind of kid that was always pretty decent at different sports but I never really committed to one. Hmm. So, I did a lot of handball, a lot of football or soccer, whatever you want to call it, um badminton I played a little. So, I was just all around. I just loved loved doing sports. And then I've always like for my entire life played music as well.
0: Oh, is that w- yep. why there's a guitar in the background?
1: Uh, that's very yep, that 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 uh, I guess that reveals uh. that secret. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's yeah, I've I've always uh, loved music growing up and i still do i used to study music as well so so
0: uh when you when you were playing sports did you did you ever do anything competitive there uh did you ever i did yeah
1: Yeah, i mean i was uh, for a very very short while um assigned to the danish national snowboard team um and i was qualifying or trying to qualify for the winter olympics in sochi so um yes i did right that and then i was i went to a lot of tryouts for the danish american football national team and when like i got on but as a you don't i don't know if you call it reserve player but uh, so i never actually got to play any matches with them but but was also also really competitive in in that in, in handball and football the ones that actually pick sports in denmark i was never i mean i i, I never committed enough to to actually get to a high level
0: makes sense makes sense You were a gamer at a young age, you were already competitive Mm -hmm. at a young age, uh, which, you know, I think a lot of people in the industry have that in common. What was the point at which you wanted to start commentating and what was what was kind of what got you into into this position in the first place?
1: It's kind of funny because I think most people they kind of had a smooth transition from one thing into into their esports career wherever they may be in that now. I actually have one specific evening <laughs> that got me into uh, into into starting at least. Uh, I can, well I'll be, I can I can put down my what got me started to one specific day, and it was uh, I had just moved to my own apartment. And, you know, the first thing you do when you move in, you barely have any chairs, you, your bed is made out of, I don't even know. I mean, it's just, you didn't have anything in your apartment, so there's plenty of room for setting up a LAN event. Because the first thing you do when you move to your first apartment is to make sure there's a good internet connection, obviously. So, um, so me and four friends, we get together in my place. Uh, one of them had to play, like, literally play Counter-Strike sitting on a milk uh what do you call milk box right <laughs> <laughs> that was that was my apartment at the time and um and we always had this thing when we went out partying and stuff where we tended to dare each other to do different things mm. and i have a thing like if someone comes to me and go up oh, toby you can't even do that like why, why why are you mad about it you can't even do it better then i then something inside me just triggers and i go uh, yes i can and so this evening, one of my friends that were there, he had to play in a Counter-Strike tournament. I mean, he who wasn't good. It was a super amateur thing. But we thought it would be fun if he plays it, and we sit on Twitch and watch it. I had I'd had watched some League of Legends as well before that, but never really thought of myself as getting into it. I was just fascinated. He's playing, and I just... There was these two casters. It was a Danish tournament, and one of them stuttered a lot, and I think it was also his first time casting. The other guy was pretty good, but one of them stuttered, and I, I just got so frustrated by it because if there's one thing you i feel like if you're trying to be a play-by-play caster that you can't do is not to be able to i mean talk because he had a pretty massive stutter also of course he was really nervous mm. so i say at some point oh, this caster's really not very good i'm sure i could do a better job than him and then one of the guys just like we lock eyes and he goes toby you can't even do that and i'm like and then, and then i was like you know what yes i can <laughs> so i i mean i, I had done theater i had done some musical stuff prior to that and uh, I was like, you know what? I, I I have stage presence. I can speak English pretty fast. I know what I'm talking about. I've played Counter-Strike before. How mm-hmm. hard can it be? So I went on the Twitch chat as we were sitting there watching it, and my friend's team, they I mean—they got completely destroyed. We just had fun about it. And then I write, is there a bot in the chat? Uh Yes, there was. Uh, hey, I would like to apply to become a caster, or at least give it a try. Who can I talk to? And then the very next day, they had the same amateur league. Uh, I think they also clearly figured out that the stuttering guy wasn't a good fit. So it's like, if you want to give it a shot, just... um. Come tomorrow, <laughs> we'll see how it's gonna work, and that was a like, sure thing. And within two months, I was casting their, like at the time, their top division. So that's that's really what got me into casting one evening with my friends. Wow!
0: So if I was yeah, a yeah. if I was a news editor right now, and I was writing an, an article about you, the headline would be "Built a career on a dare." Basically. <laughs> I guess so, essentially, yeah.
1: That's, uh, at least that's what... I mean, I, I can never... We can never know if I would have gotten or given it a try had that not been the case. But, I mean, that's the very... I guess I guess I can give a lot of my credit to, to, to my friend who, um, who 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 dared me to try and cast the video Maybe in.
0: he should have thought bigger. Maybe he should have
1: dared maybe. you to build a spaceship. Yeah, you can never be a billionaire. Oh, yes, I can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe you should have. <laughs> So, also, feel like we should stop this dare thing right now so you don't start daring me into doing different <laughs> things.
0: <laughs> I'm already, it's already working, working ahead. Of my brain. <laughs> Building yeah. a strategy. How
1: can we use him this best way possible? Yeah,
0: exactly. Weird. We'd like to thank our partners at Elgato, without whom this podcast wouldn't be possible. They provided much of the equipment used for all of our recording sessions. Elgato is the leading provider of hardware and software for content creators leveraging decades of experience to develop widely accessible products that empower all creators to produce high-quality, professional content. Elgato has provided us with a reliable 4K 60 Pro capture card, professional key light lighting, and a customizable stream deck, enabling us to pull off pretty much anything we can think of. Head over to elgato.com to see their full product line. So, yeah. uh, so so how did, it, how did it go from there? What was the next step? So you started commentating this amateur league.
1: Yes, um, I started doing Counter-Strike uh, in Danish. Very quickly got to my first... It, it was a Danish, um, I guess, broadcast team that worked with eSport Denmark. And eSport Denmark does a lot with Copenhagen Games, and they have different events going on in Denmark throughout the year. So they were well connected to different LAN events and whatnot in Denmark. So despite my very minimal experience at casting, I actually got through to cast some pretty big teams at the time. That was uh, that was really, really really interesting, getting to Copenhagen Games, sitting at like a LAN uh, event. We were doing the B stream, so we weren't like connected with the main stage mm. and all that. We were just sitting in the back and all the other games. But there were big teams playing. It was at the time where... BIG or BIG, they were upsetting a lot of teams. Tapson was out there doing crazy things. So would you like watching games and seeing in the VOTs afterwards that you had Freakasoid and you had uh, like d- d- Device and some of all these now massive guys that were in the chat at the time. And damn, these guys were actually... I mean, they probably had me muted, but they were actually watching the game that I was part of broadcasting. That was a pretty big thing. So that got me even more into wanting to do more and then uh, i did work with them for a while and um and then, yeah, I mean, one guy introduced me to PUBG and said, hey, Toby, we should give it a go. And we were going to a LAN event for a weekend, and all the other guys that were going had downloaded PUBG, like mm. early access at the time, and Toby get it. And I was like, sure, we'll try it. And you know how it is, early access games, they always have their bucks that you can run through walls, and I don't know what not. So we were just having a lot of fun with the game at the time, being in a really bad state, mm. and uh, running around doing weird things. Um and then it was like over time i just started playing but i found it really like really interesting that there was such a deep analytical aspect mm. to it like with your rotations and the circles closing in and ooh should we play this building or that building from my competitive mindset and my i guess sometimes also overly analytical mindset everything just seemed to fit together with like a battle royale title um so the more i started playing pubg the more i I, I, it's not that I didn't like Counter-Strike, it's just my passion for Counter-Strike kind of fell as my passion for PUBG rose and then every time I was casting those Counter-Strike events that I was still casting, I just didn't feel like I could give it, you know, like from a casting perspective. Every time I went woohoo, it wasn't I I didn't feel the woohoo the same way that I tried to not fake it, but the same way that I tried to make it come across. I just I just didn't have the passion for Counter-Strike anymore, so at that time I, I figured I wanted to go do a lot more with PUBG. So what 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 was your
0: uh, your career outside of esports looking like at that time? What uh, what was going on in your in your life?
1: Well, I mean, I had just moved to Copenhagen. I had a part time job um, in a cafe that then became working in a restaurant. So it was, I mean, I, it, it was never really a full time career of mine. Uh, we would go to these different events. We had, I mean, for Counter Strike, we had one, I think, a weekly thing every Wednesday. I believe it mm. was. So it wasn't, it wasn't that it was taking up all my time and I was fully committed to it at that point, it was just, it was fun, I had a lot of fun doing it and it was like, you know, some people they like to do their hangouts with their friends once a week where they go play some football or if they collect magic cards. The girl go play with them or whatever it may be. Um and that was kind of my side hobby. The fact that I got paid, I mean it was by no means enough to make a living, but I got I got I got my pocket change for, mm. for a month. I could I could go to the movies once or twice a month extra for the amount of money that I made. So it was um it started out, I mean as with most other things, started out just as a hobby and me finding it really interesting to actually get a foot inside that esports world.
0: Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. What was the point? uh, What was sort of the breaking point at which you knew I want to turn this into a career, or I can turn this into a career?
1: So right in the beginning, PUBG, because I I got I was lucky to kind of get my foot in. Not at the very start, because there had been some events before I got in. But um, my first ever casting, I was sitting and uh, watching and playing. Again, I was still all the stuff that I did in terms of casting. PUBG was in Danish, Danish tournaments, or at least Nordic. Um so I didn't really know the scene I didn't know anything and and um and then a friend of mine um a streamer at the time John he 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 to me saying Toby there is this PUBG qualifier going on right now in English and he had been sitting and watching Demon, um, Lee Demon Smith, casting some of the qualifiers for this tournament. And Demon had been like, hey, I could use another caster, because we have I don't know what it was, like thirty two groups because mm. it was massive at the time, right? So there was a billion groups being played and apparently, um IEM, who I think were the uh, or who were the um tournament organizers of that event, they were saying, Well, if you wanna cast this event as a community guy, why not give it a shot? And I had only cast it at that time PUBG in Danish mm. So it would. It would uh, I was like, I was kind of, kind of interested in trying to get a little bit of a, you know, like English show reel in, or just build up my resume so I could start reaching out to some of the tournament organizers at the time. And uh, so I, I got my foot inside there. And the first game I cast, people in chat go crazy. They spam in all these different chat, like different languages. I think I had two hundred followers on Twitch at the time. Uh, so very small channel, just just me doing my basic overlay things. And the very first message that I got that day was, Hey, uh, are you casting this group? I don't remember the letter, but I was casting a specific group, and I said, Yes, that's my group. And then he just goes, Watch this. And then I was like, Oh, okay. And then nothing happens for like a minute, and I kind of forgot about it. And then you get like that really loud host alert sound because whoever fiddles with host alerts because I never got hosted when I was uh, <laughs> in the beginning of my streaming I get three hosts back to back one of them with 2,000 viewers one of them with 6,000 viewers and one of them with 7,000 viewers and all of a sudden little Topi is sitting on a channel with like I don't know 17,000 viewers I was the second most viewed channel on Twitch in <laughs> PUBG f- with 200 followers no muts and nothing and then it turns out that the, t- the, the the lobby that I was casting had Groupie, which was the present day Navi team. They had Team Spirit, which has at least in PUBG a massive following, and it was just it was just like a cluster of the top tier CIS teams that were all in the same group. So <laughs> within a second, my entire chat just starts. Sp- and like Russian. And I was like, oh no, I don't understand anything. <laughs> and, and, and then the first thing I do, of course, is follower mode, boop, activated. And then that entire qualifier, I just kind of started just following those teams because now these CAS guys, they knew and they found it hilarious that I couldn't pronounce the team names and, and everything. It was just fun. It was just good fun. And I rose from those 200 followers to I think two and a half thousand mm. over a weekend. And I was like, holy moly, it's there such a big following in this game and I think that's what really like that's where where it triggered for me I said Toby if you actually commit yourself to this there might just be a way that you can uh, kinda get going.
0: Yeah. And Yeah. And there was there was. There was, so what, clearly, what, clearly. So what was the way? What was what was your well, next well, for
1: for for me I've I mean I work more than what's probably healthy for me. Mm. And like when I when I find something I'm passionate about, I'm the guy that'll take two hours of sleep. If it's like I'll rather I would rather not be sleeping, even if I'm sleepy. If it's something that I'm really passionate mm. about, I, I just work my butt off. And I figured, okay, so clearly I don't have the money to just go full time streamer right now because there's also not that many events that I can cover every single day. So I figured I'm just gonna work my butt off. Over it was like I think I think it was I.M. Katowice qualifies. It was in November, uh, you know, always in Christmas when you live in the capital of your country. There's always like Christmas jobs. That you can get so i worked a night shift at a hotel where i would meet at i think my call like my working hours were from nine in the evening to eight in the morning so i would do that and then i would go from there straight to another job where i'd be serving porridge in like a restaurant in copenhagen from 10 to 2 so i would have two i mean i guess not full-time jobs but one full-time job and a almost full-time job and then i'd go home i'd go to sleep at 3 p.m wake up at 8 p.m and then i'd go to work in the hotel again Mm. i did that every day for two months and i did that because then i could say great now i've made enough money that over these next two months i can say yes to every casting gig because i mean a lot of it wasn't paid at the time Mm. right so i can literally because because the thing was i wanted of course i mean everybody wants to go to those big events and whatnot so I, I would get surpassed obviously i had barely even made a twitter profile yet and you had some of these really big famous casters that came in and and started doing pubg events at the time and i was like how am i ever going to compete with them fact is i couldn't <laughs> mm. so so i figured okay and also how why would they ever pick me like they don't know who I am I have no following I have no show reel why would a tournament organizer pick me over this guy who might not be the best PUBG caster but they have massive experience in casting and have done all these big events and other games before so I figured okay now I'm just what I'm going to do is I'm going to force them to know who I am mm. that was the, like that was that was my fault I'm going to force them to know who I am and what I did was I took those 2 months that I had saved money up enough for to um, um, to be able to 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 pay my rent and all that stuff because I worked the two jobs and then I just quit my jobs and said for the next two months I am going to say yes to every single casting gig that I can find within PUBG. I think by the start of month number two I was casting, th- I actively sitting and casting over thirty six hours a week, so it's like a full time job. Mm. In terms of literally just talking, casting. We were talking without breaks, without anything. I was casting six days a week and it was like EU and NA for the most part mm. every day. So I would be casting like a lot of hours. And A, I got to know all the teams that participated in all the different tournaments really well. So I got a lot of insights on the team. And obviously my Twitch channel and like people started to, to figuring out who were like, and, and I've talked to people since then and like, and we never knew who you were. It's like, who the fuck is this Toby guy who's casting everything all of a sudden? People were so confused by it because I was literally, every single tournament there was, I would be the one to do the B-Stream or like yeah. Awesome, PUBG Online, TLL. I was always the one. I would never get the big kick, like the main channel where you had your dedicated observers and your production team. I would be the one that sat down and had to do everything on my own. So that's also why or how I learned to do like casting and observing, which is something I like to praise myself on being pretty good at, doing both of those things at the same time because it is <laughs> pretty... Difficult, but that's how I got to learn it. I was forced to learn it. toby they have given you a platform. This is where you can show them what you're worth, and that's, I guess, how I how I managed to uh, to kind of get my foot in the door. Got
0: it. And then yeah. So so that's sort of the path that led you to the breaking point. But then, what was the actual breaking point? What was the moment
1: where you knew you made it? After those two months, I mean, I should say within those two months, I managed to get my channel partnered. Obviously, I mean. (laughs) I guess the numbers are not faked a little but but when I mean when I streamed myself I would have 15 to 20 viewers and when I did the tournaments I'd have a thousand so the numbers were a little uneven and they, and I remember talking to the Twitch staff at the time like Toby we can see your numbers vary a lot. I was like, yeah, but you know, I mean, I do a lot of tournaments and stuff. And they were like, okay, you know what? Fair enough. We'll uh, we'll give this guy a shot. And then um, then I got partnered, and of course, then you can start making some revenue on on casting and viewership and subscriptions and all that stuff. And and that was really um, that was really what what kind of got my foot in. And then I remember my first time casting a land, not another land event, but like I, I was flown to Stockholm. To cast for GLL, hmm. that was the first time somebody had actually paid. A, like I was, I was completely overwhelmed that people would pay my plane ticket and a hotel to go to another country just to sit in a studio. Because I was like, I can just sit and do that from home. That's what I've been doing this entire month up to now, right? But it, I mean, I would, I would make sense for a land event. But I was like, these guys are paying me to just sit in a room and do what I would be doing from home anyway. And I was completely overwhelmed by the fact that people did such a thing. Casting wise, <laughs> I remember it being all right. It was actually, I think, was I working with D-man then? I don't remember. But um, but but I, having only done solo casting before, I constantly talked over my co-casters. I just I mean, I, I was just so hyped to be there that I had way too much. Like I was just, I, I acted like I had had six cups of coffee, which I hadn't. And then when we came in the evening, where I also did have six cups of coffee, just. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. If you want to. You don't want to go back and watch that, but I don't think so. You,
0: you know what? <laughs> you, you know what? Throughout, I've been in this industry for ten years, and throughout all the years, I've seen. I've seen many, many, many commentators come and rise from out of nowhere, right? And it's always beautiful mm. to watch this journey, like like you made in PUBG, where it's like this is an entirely new game, and it feels like esports doesn't even exist. And it's yeah. it's like esports growing again to to you know where csgo is and where league of legends is today right and there's exactly. people like freak and league of legends who's one of the biggest commentators in the game he's commentating over the lcs in the uh, north america mm. right and all of these people i've experienced have these moments at esports tournaments where they're just so excited to be there to be at this event and and uh, because it's their first time right and i think uh, i think that's a good that's actually a good lesson to take away here is that
1: oh yeah for sure for sure you
0: know w- we we it it's just so so damn exciting to to get that first chance
1: it really is. and i remember my first lan event i got to i mean i i attended a couple of pubg lan events before i actually got hired to uh, to work one but i remember going to them and it was just it was oh, it was amazing like the crowd being there and and it, it was just it was insane and i remember when i went to pgi berlin um which was like at the biggest event the first real massive global event that that was put together by pubg in 18 I was so overwhelmed. From the very moment, like, from the very opening ceremony show that put together, and I the fact that I now knew, like, I'd come to know some of the players that were sitting down on that stage playing. Because one thing is you attend a big League of Legends event or something, and you go, oh, my God, these guys. It's like watching Cristiano Ronaldo and Messi and all those guys and going, they're so cool. But, like, they're not human. They're fucking superheroes, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they're, they're 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 down there. Like, they might as well just been 10 kilometers away. I can never touch them. But now I could do the – I had the same – the same experience in terms of being in a big uh, stadium and watching things but I was like oh my god the guy in that chair I casted him last week and the guy over there I had a podcast interview with him two weeks ago hmm. I was like oh my lord I'm actually like, even though I wasn't part of the event I felt like I was part of the community to such an extent that it was also kind of mine and that was insane
0: yeah yeah i'm sure i'm sure you just experience everything in a very different way right because you're actually yeah for sure you're also emotionally attached and you and 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 the other on the other side you see the emotions of these people in a much more real way than you would on camera Mm. right because you see them backstage you talk to them exactly after their matches before their matches you you see the the
1: nervousness right and the the disappointment when they lose Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a big portion of it. Too. And it, it helps me a lot in terms of my casting work, I feel, as well, to know mm. the players on a personal level. Um, because you can always go, oh, yeah, he didn't miss that shot. No, that was so bad. But if you know that the guys had a really bad day coming into the tournament or whatever, that kind of... Not that you want to say, oh, yeah, this guy's uh, dog got killed last night. Feels bad, man. Mm. Can we get some Fs in the chat for the dead dog? You know, right. I mean, it's just you you, you you pay respect to it, but you but you also know. It's just, just uh, oh, the, he must have an off day. You actually know. Yep. what like at least potentially what the reason is that he's underperforming on a given day you get like a more personal relationship with the players
0: yeah yeah and I think I think that that in itself is also good insight and that doesn't just apply to mm. players right uh commentators obviously have off days too you you're, you're a human, oh, yeah you're a human oh, being yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so <laughs> well, sometimes sure. people will will likely encounter you they'll watch your content and they'll be like oh this guy doesn't know what he's talking about and maybe you're just having an off day right so you're yes. you're just not a hundred percent there
1: i'm not understanding that i've literally sat and casted 11 hours before this <laughs> random shit guy came into the chat i'm like guys i am burned out cut me some slack here
0: <laughs> exactly exactly so um uh, that that's actually a good a good segue uh because i want to talk about what what was the most difficult thing for you to overcome what was the biggest hurdle in your career
1: in esports in terms of actual casting, I think my biggest um, hurdle must have been the whole the whole con- like transitioning from solo casting because in PUBG there's something happening all the time. There's always something you can talk about because I mean you have sixteen teams on the same map, right? So at that time I think it was actually twenty, but that doesn't change the fact that there's a lot going on. So making room or like not realizing that it you don't have to be the one that explains everything but make it a conversation instead. I think that was really difficult to start because I was so hyped, obviously, and I knew a lot about the game uh, because I had spent so much time casting it and I wanted to always tell people stuff. So if I talked about something, then I throw it over to the other caster and he starts talking about something else or he just observes something else than what I would be looking at at the time. I would get that frustrated but I, I i would just be annoyed that oh but i wanted to talk about this stuff and then kind of try to force the subject back which is a really bad idea so i learned over time um that it's a conversation and 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 yeah you have to uh, make room for each other yeah i think that that was that was the most difficult thing in terms of casting in terms of the overall esports world i think i mean it, I, it, might, it might actually put like you can put it together with with the other thing but Thinking twice before tweeting stuff. I think that's a good lesson to learn <laughs> because social media. I mean, I didn't know anything about. Yes, I had a Facebook profile where I would talk to my friends and whatnot. But, but, but your 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 on-screen appearance also is your on-screen appearance on your social media mm. platform. And and I did not know that when I first came in. I was just like, if I thought someone was stupid, I would tweet out this guy's stupid. You know, I mean, I, I there was no filter. There was no filter, and that hurt at times, um, because I think things that I might have tweeted out at some point could potentially have been me not getting certain jobs that I wanted to get. Um and I never I I just never put the two together. Like I never thought that my Twitter or social media doings mm. could cause that. Because it was just me being opinionated. And sometimes people that just don't want to hear your opinion about things.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's good advice, you know. And that does not—that doesn't only go for people in the in the public eye either nowadays. Um, mm. There's uh, yeah. <laughs> there's definitely certain <laughs> things you should should not be sharing on social media.
1: Yes, uh, I learned that the hard way.
0: <laughs> so when it comes to when it comes to casting, uh, in mm-hmm. particular, uh, mm-hmm. what is something that was maybe uh, really difficult for you to learn? Other than that was there ever a point where it kind of made click and and uh, you felt like from one day to another you were so much better because you improved in in one area?
1: Not rambling? Or let's put it this way. Not rambling, I think, is a tricky thing because you, I mean, you especially if you're new to casting, you'll get nervous and and you'll do have, like, sometimes you force yourself into a tongue twister mm. situation where you just, you, you, no matter how much, you have this point and it's so perfect and it's amazing. You take too long to kind of get it out there. You can stumble over it. You can go uh, 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 a couple of times, and that moment has passed. Now, this other guy just blew up a car with four people in it, and you need to go to that instead. Yeah. Being able to shorten down, like, just make things really concise. Mm. Um, really, really be able, especially in terms of, like, pay-by-play and uh, even more so in Battle Royale games. Um, like, not, not rambling. I think is extremely important and extremely difficult not to do. That was probably my, my toughest my toughest thing. And I it, it wasn't that from one day to another, but it was just over time I could feel that my censure struck, what do you say, your um you're already now, you can see right there, it was me messing up I have to just pass yeah, on, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, structuring your sentences naturally so you don't have to sit and think about how you want to say things, but it just comes out in the way that it's supposed yep. to. That that is something that took me a good while to master. Also, I mean, English is not my first language, right? So even though I speak it well, there are some different um, different ways to go about it, and I think that was probably my my toughest task is to be able to give across a lot of information, hmm. but in a short amount of time.
0: Okay, so so other than that, um, if you had to give uh, any aspiring commentators. Sort of your top three pieces of advice regarding you know what to do or what not to do when commentating. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We have don't ramble, right? What are what are other yes. two two things that you would give them as uh, as homework, sort of?
1: I think the, and it, it, this is going to sound so cliche, but honestly, be yourself. You see all these casters and they'll some will lower their compression on their mixer to make it sound real cool and you have this action pack caster voice, yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I'm just no. I mean if you if your voice cracks every now and again, let that freaking voice crack. If you if you have a weird way of saying certain things, I mean if you, if it's incorrect and people don't understand you fair enough, you're probably gotta work on it. But but be yourself. We see and I don't know if that's Casting in general but uh, if you go to sports commentators like tv sports oftentimes i cannot tell them apart i could watch two different game different football games with two different broadcast channels playing at the exact same time and i would not know who is who like, i would think it was the same two guys mm-hmm. that had clones in the other place and i think that's so unfortunate because i'm not only do a one I guess like, a viewer I want to watch the sport obviously I want to see the games and all the amazing things being done by the players but the personality of the commentators also brings so much to the broadcast right so and that's what I feel like people have complimented me for is but Toby you're just different and that's I mean that can be a good and a bad thing but they just I, I think the, th- the thing I'm being told so much is they can't really put words on it usually but Toby you, you just do things a little different mm. than what other casters do and I think it's me my, me, me laughing my butt off. Or if someone misses a spray, I'm not going to go, oh, I should say, uh, oh, that was unfortunate. He will get it next time. <laughs> that guy just whiffed a shot. He sucks, you know? I mean, you can say that with a laugh, and when people know you, you, you they know you're not actually criticizing the guy because you know he's amazing. and Maybe two minutes later, you'll be complimenting him. But just be yourself. I mean, take what it is that makes you different and bring it to your casting. Don't try and clone what other people do because... Then why would they pick you if you're just a less famous, less known version of the guy they already have that's famous? Mm. You know, so be yourself.
0: You know what? And that's a, that's another great segue right there. Um, we like to ask what is what is the key value that people bring to well, to go. an event, and I guess I guess in your case that that would probably be <laughs> be the fact that you uh, you just bring in your own personality, right?
1: Yeah, I mean that alongside with as I said earlier probably working more than what's healthy for me. I mean, if mm-hmm. I... I've, I don't feel like I've ever been hired to an event. At least maybe maybe I have been, and the, the TOs just been very quiet by it. I've never been to an event where the TOs haven't been pleasantly surprised. Uh, in a, like they, 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 uh, they will hire you for an event and expect a certain... Like, we've seen him in this VOD, we've seen him do this and that before, and then they make an expectation of what do we expect this person to deliver... At our event, and I've just like everything that I've done. I feel like, at least for the most part, people have come up to me afterwards, like the CEOs or whoever my spokesperson at the event has been, and been like, "Toby, you, you, you. that was really, really good." I'm like, "Thank you, that, I appreciate it." I mean, the, the fact that they come up and say that to me mm-hmm. means that my hard work and dedication, has, A, paid off, and B, probably meant that I'll get hired next time too. So, so yeah, I mean, being myself alongside with. Um, alongside with being dedicated and, and like sometimes way too perfectionistic because <laughs> I, I want you to whichever person you meet backstage or as a fan come and I would hate to sit and watch a show where you see someone casting and then you think he's amazing and then when you go to, like, go to meet him in person he's a whole other person I, as a caster I want to be the same guy as I, wanna, I don't want to take on a persona or something I can see how that's funny and how that can be a great thing, mm. but but for me, I just I whenever you meet me on the street, I want me to be the same guy as the one you saw casting last week. Right. Yeah.
0: Except probably a little less less politically correct or appropriate.
1: Yes, I I, I might <laughs> swear more in person than I would on camera. Um, true, 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 and I would probably also be more open to discuss things i wouldn't discuss on air yeah. but um but yeah for the most part yeah. i would be the exact same guy
0: that's that's good um yeah. i want to i want to go to uh, challenges for you personally what do you feel are the biggest challenges you're facing right now as you know a, a full-time sort of freelance commentator in mm. in the esports industry
1: I mean, obviously, a big thing. I mean, really, can't really hide the elephant in the room with the corona and Mm. a lot of events being canceled. That's a massive thing. Um, But that's not just me facing that. That's literally everyone. A lot of the big LAN events are being canceled, and, of course, that's uh, unfortunate. That does mean that some other events Mm. are opened up, and I had the pleasure of um, starting my own tournament because of that. Everyone, they went around and saying, Oh, but oh, now we don't get events and this and that, and it's so sad. Why don't we get an event? Why does no one make an event? And I was like, guys, why don't we just make our own event? Hmm. I mean, <laughs> why don't we just make our own? It's not like it's that difficult a thing to do. The game is already there. We're just going to be fortunate and find somebody who will help us execute it. Um, so, so that um, was one way for me to get around that. But, but I feel like one of the big challenges and a challenge that you might not ever really talk about um, about as a caster or something that at least something that I didn't know would become a thing when I first got into casting was how much, I mean, and it's it it's different from person to person but at least for me, how much your social life mm. gets changed up because the fact that I isolate myself to sitting here in front of a computer by myself uh, and decide to work as much as I have done, which I need to do in order to get to where I've come now it, that means you don't go out and hang out with friends. I mean, mm-hmm. your Friday, your Saturday, your Sunday, which are the big gaming nights, they will be you sitting at home in front of a PC talking. Um, and that, I mean, I'll be honest and admit, I am probably, before I started casting, I maybe hung out with like 15, 20 friends, on the, not on the daily, but, you know, I had like 15, 20 people that I could go, hey, buddy, you want to go to the park and whatever? Um, and they would be like, yeah, what's up? I probably talked to two of them now, and that's just two and a half years ago, maybe three years ago. Hmm. So, of course, I mean, everyone has different things going on in their life, and this could have happened in a lot of other situations too, but it is a lot of time that you need to, at least for my sake, I have needed to dedicate in order to get to where I am, which also takes a toll. And also if you're in a relationship, I mean, if you live with um, someone that you love, having to sit up if you're doing NA stuff hey honey I'm gonna be ca- I, know you're, I know you I have to get up for work at 6 in the morning but I'm gonna be casting and shouting in this room next to you from 1am to 4am try and sleeping anyway <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's yeah so yeah, that, 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 there's a lot of things that you um, mm. have to kind of work around and I think that, that to me has been the biggest challenge to be your personal life outside of casting and how much of a toll it can take again people do it differently uh, it can take on you
0: yeah, that that makes sense. I mean, I think that's a it's a big part of this entire industry, especially the sort of live streaming uh, mm. industry, right? Any anyone who's um, if if you have any friends that are uh, full time Twitch streamers, right? Most of them go through the same same yep, sort of thing. Yep. So, at, at least as an esports commentator outside of these current times. You get the, get the chance to get these paid trips out to, you know, not only are they paid trips, but <laughs> yes. you get paid for those trips um, yes. out to events that where you get true. to hang out with some of your
1: friends, right? And, um, and that's the funny thing, because then when I've gone to events, I've been like, this is like, this is, I don't want to say this is what I do it for, but it's just, I don't have any, like no one that I know in person. Into esports, like they they maybe they have watched LCS once before, maybe mm-hmm. they've seen a big Counter Strike event or been to so now that Denmark gets more CSGO, like actual events like Blast Pro. I live right next to a Royal Arena, that's where they normally do that. So, people will have gone and seen events and they think it's oh, it's so cool that I do esports, but a, they don't live the life that I do. They're just like, oh my god, Toby, it's so cool that you get to fly planes all the time and cast stuff in video games. That must be the dream life, sure it is, but I can't talk with anyone about it. Like, my entire daily life. Fluctuates on Discord Hmm. and Twitter. I I don't have any friends that I can go down and say, "Oh yeah, you like that play from last night? That was so cool." Like my colleagues, I can't go and hang out with them and have a beer because they all live in Sweden, Norway, America, Germany, whatever you name it, right? So I think that's that's also kind of tough. But that just makes it so much more appreciative when you then go to those land events where you for a weekend or four days can go, oh, my God, I'm surrounded by people who love what I also love. And it's so amazing that you can just sit and talk esports with them all the time.
0: And, you know, the other bittersweet part of this of this uh, situation tends to be that if you do travel somewhere, you'll have friends everywhere, right?
1: Yeah, that, yeah that's true. That is true. So, is uh, true. you know,
0: you go to Toronto and Canada, you probably know someone there.
1: There will always be someone that exactly. sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh,
0: I I like that. Uh, let's let's mm. get back to you personally. Um, and what's what's next for you? What's next for your career? What's your first mm. off? What's your big dream? What do you, is there something that you want to achieve that you haven't yet?
1: I realistically, given that I mean I I don't know if I can say I'm new to casting because I don't know how long other casters have casted for. Um, but. I got my foot in the door, as we talked about earlier, oh. in like mid 17. I did the Danish casting stuff from like end 16 to mid 17. And then I got like my, I guess, English casting journey started. And so that's just what, two and a half years ago, a little mm. more than that, maybe. Uh, which I feel like it's not a very long time. I mean, who can go if you if you worked like a big corporation job, you'd still be the busboy that uh, brought coffee for everyone two and a half years later, right? You wouldn't actually, you wouldn't actually be able to do do stuff and have a saying in things. Um, so I feel like I've already done much more than what I ever assumed to be able to accomplish in this time span. I, but then again, I also had no idea what I was going into. I didn't know anyone. It was just me literally DMing people and saying, hi, you don't know who I am. Can I cast your tournament? <laughs> like, I, I didn't have a network. I didn't know a single person mm. in eSports when I first started, right? So um, so I've had a lot of help with that all the way through. So in terms of what's next, uh, obviously with Valorant coming out, that's, uh, I mean, I always like first-person shooters, and I think that's why I got into Counter-Strike in the beginning. And I've uh, really, really enjoyed what I've seen and casted from Valorant now as well. Because it has, I feel like it's a little more in-depth than Counter-Strike is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's things are as in-depth as you make them. Um, you can always overanalyze things. Like I could take a picture of a blue dot and spend five years trying to analyze why that dot is that dot. But, but I feel like there's more depth to Valorant, or at least potentially, than there is Counter-Strike, let alone the fact that you have those abilities mm-hmm. added to the game. It uh, makes for so many more different setups and options within the game that I think are really interesting. So Valorant is for sure a game that I... Uh, hope to be able to not necessarily transition to, because I don't want to leave PUBG. I think PUBG is absolutely amazing, and I still cast and work a lot of PUBG mm. stuff. But if you ask what's next, that is outside of what I'm doing right now already, then for sure the element would be... Um would be a hope that I can get my foot in there, but then again, we're starting over, right? I don't, I don't have my network in Valorant, so it's again going to be Toby, the guy now with four thousand followers on Twitter, who is up against the two hundred thousand followers <laughs> on Twitter, guys, that you need to try and elbow your way through or make friends with and get to work with.
0: Yeah, and this is in a this is not a game where I think uh, there's an even bigger push from all these other. Oh games. yeah, oh yeah, all oh, the regions, every, everybody wants it. Yeah, into this. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. So there that's the situation where I hope my passion for games and what people have seen from me already can maybe make way for me to get into the to, to a title like that where obviously in terms of following and whatnot I should not have a chance at all then from the people that I've worked with and what people have seen before maybe that can happen anyway.
0: Well I, I hope, you know, I hope it works out for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you. So is there, uh, you know, asking again, is there is there any anything that you haven't achieved that you'd like to achieve?
1: I mean, I've worked big stadium events, but never as a caster. I've been an analyst. I've been a, like, post-game, more in-depth drawing-on-the-board type uh, weatherman. I've done, uh, not hosting, but, like, some interviewing things. but But getting... To cast, not necessarily play by play, but just getting to be part of the whoa type moment that happens where you can just of through your noise canceling headset, hear the insane crowd reactions. I think that would be a that would probably be a Toby, you've made it like this, this. This is this is the top that you will possibly get. And uh, I think I think that that would probably be that would probably be my I don't see it as an end goal because it's not like whenever I've done that, oh, now I can quit, now I'm done. You be I've I've done it all. That that would just be a, yeah, like a new milestone yep. for me to, to reach that could be big because I've done I feel like already a lot of all the other things that I wanted to do, which was get to go to a land event, get to fly somewhere on cast, get to fly outside of Europe to cast. I've done these things. It's just uh, the big stadium, like, where it all just comes together, and a massive. <laughs> over time finish with a 1v5 clutch you know i mean mm-hmm. <laughs> one of those wild things um that would be sick but it's not i mean i'm really happy with where i'm now so it's it's a it's a dream yes but it's not an expectation
0: that makes sense um we we like to we like to end this podcast with uh with a couple of fun questions mm-hmm. um one of them one of them that's uh that's always interesting to hear your take on or our guests take on is uh, if you if you had the choice, would you rather have five thousand concurrent viewers on your own channel consistently, or would you rather be commentating uh, over a white label channel, such as the official Challenger Mode channel, mm, to mm, fifty thousand mm. viewers?
1: Hmm. I think I'd go with Challenger Mode because as fun as it is to sit... I mean, I, I enjoy the community that I've been able to build up and I, on a daily basis I get surprised by who, like, why the fuck do people come and watch me play video games? I'm not even that good at it, you know? <laughs> but <laughs> no, but I love the community that I've been able to build up and I love having them there. But I've also seen with uh, like Twitch streamers who do rise from their a couple of hundred viewers to... Thousands, that the personal relationship with that viewer gets lost Mm. in the in the forehead and pepe hand spams. So nobody, and that's what I love with where I am now. I have enough of a viewing that I feel like I can like it. It makes me want to stream on a daily basis, and and I I I have I feel like I, I it's very rare that someone comes in that has been to my chat before that I don't know who is it's also because my brain is a little weird in that way I remember a lot of strange things and for some reason Twitch names is something that I remember really well Um, so I like to get to to know my viewers and I feel like if there was 5,000 viewers just spanning K-E-W-K or K-O-K or whatever you say like in the chat constantly whenever I'm with the shot which would be all the time that personal relationship would be gone and I would more be a broadcast like my Twitch channel wouldn't be my channel it would be just like if it was on challenging mode um, Hmm. doing stuff And so, so no, I would much rather cast a tournament that's big than have it on my own channel.
0: That makes sense. That makes sense. I I mean, I guess for you, from a uh, and we can, you know, we can talk about it from a business perspective here. Uh, I guess Mm. from a business perspective for you, the Twitch channel is more what ties you over between between events, Mm. right? It's it's kind of you prefer being just that, but but keeping that personal personal feel to it. And I
1: exactly, and I think Mm. I mean I've always said it from day one. Whenever I didn't have any viewers, I've always said to my Twitch chat, I appreciate all your subs and all, like, whichever way people feel like supporting my channel. But I am a caster first, streamer second. Like, if I am gone hmm. for an event for two weeks, you have paid for a subscription. And yes, you'll get the emotes so you can then spam at the tournament that I'm playing or casting. But you've paid for a service that you pretend like technically will only get half of. Because I won't be streaming for those two weeks. Hmm and then and then people I feel like people that support my channel are well aware of that so they'll then instead come whenever they see me on camera and they'll put up my emotes in that given Twitch chat in a tournament where it could be challenger mode it could be anywhere um, so they'll support it that way and then as you said I mean whenever I then come back from that event they'll come back in my chat the next day and go hey Toby that was such a nice event and then that's like my debrief I have it with my Twitch chat rather than I mean of course you also have a debrief with the production team but but then, then I get all their feedback because they know I don't have time to sit and read the chat while I'm casting, right? Yeah. So, so they'll be they'll be giving me feedback. I was like, oh, that was so much fun there, and and sometimes people come in and say, oh, Toby, you made a mistake there. That, that wasn't this. This was that. And I was like, thank you, thanks for telling me. Now I know not to do that next time. So, and, yeah, I think I think that's a great platform to do. So. And I guess people also come come to you uh, for for
0: a little bit of the the backstage stories and the the insights, Oh yeah, for sure, right? for
1: sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll go, Toby, did you know this or did you talk to mm. this guy and how did they react when this happened? And of course, I mean. I'm as much as I want to share everything with people, I'm also very um, honest in in like knowing when to say stuff and when not to say stuff. At least I've learned that. And I'm never, I mean, and I I feel like that's another thing that I can pride myself on. It's not that I want to be someone that people have to come to with their secrets and things, it's just, I, I mean, don't tell you, you gotta have a sense of what do you say the situation yep. don't say stuff don't pass stuff on that you shouldn't and I so I'm not gonna sit and spill all the beans on on uh, this player that cried all night and sobbed his bed <laughs> because he lost the tournament I would never do that its just say so, yeah he had a tough day yeah you know I mean that's that's there's, there's there's the different ways to go about it and I think um yeah
0: no there's yeah. you know you know what I mean I don't have to go in depth uh, no, there's, with that. There's, there's yeah there's good there's there's good ways to show that people are human, without oh, yeah. humiliating them.
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: Um, and the other question I have for you, and this is one of the questions that we always ask, is mm-hmm. if you were given one tweet that's guaranteed to go viral,
1: what would you tweet? Oh, you should have. Yeah, I should have known about this one prior. That's gonna require some thinking time. This podcast might go into two hours. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, unfortunately, huh. unfortunately, one I, guaranteed viral tweet. I, I can't, I can't give you any plotting time. I'm afraid, so it, it needs to
1: come from the heart. No, no, no. Okay, it should either just be something stupid. I mean, that's normally my how my tweets go. I mean, I've not that I've ever had anything go actually viral, but. It's not, you know how you always sit down and you think for a half hour on a tweet that is so 700 IQ and then it gets like two likes. Yeah, that's, and that's then the every next day one. when you take up, then the next day when you make a tweet of, uh, I don't even know, it could be a glass of water with absolutely no context to it, it gets 500 likes. And I'm like, come on, guys, that was just a random picture. Why do you like <laughs> that one? Not the one that I wanted you to like. Uh, no, so I think if, if for me, a viral tweet would not probably be my own, but, but a tournament that I'd cast it. Like if, if, if something really wild happened, because um, both from a like fame perspective, that would get my face or my oh you were the guy that casted that crazy thing, mm. right? So so if if that was combined with me achieving the uh, crowd noise crazy event that popped off and the the big stadium dream that I have, like if if those two were combined and that tweet was the viral response to it, then I think like that would that would be the, the top of the top of the cake.
0: Okay, I can I can respect that. I I think uh and 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 before people make the assumption that this is sort of like an like an ego thing I think it's more about the idea oh, no, of no, 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 I think no. it's more about the idea of touching a lot of people and and being able to move yes. a lot of people with
1: something like this right that that alongside with um yeah cuz it's not it's not it's not oh they see me oh, I'm so famous exactly. now it's just it's just the for me, it's. I mean, I I would gladly put in hundreds and hundreds and thousands of hours into something. I don't need the pat on the back. Mm-hmm. I don't need the "Ooh, Toby, you're so good. What can I do for you?" But appreciation is always well appreciated. And and if I've spent a lot of time perfecting something, and if I give my heart out trying to do something, and then people's response are, "Wow, this guy is actually like." Whenever I'm trying to be personal, I want people to like respond in a personal way as well. And if that's by liking things or whatever it may be then uh, then then I think that's great. So it's not about me getting famous over it. It's just Yep. If I if I'm personal, then then I hope like when I show me, I hope people like me. <laughs> Does that make
0: sense? Yeah, yeah. No, I I always I always see um entertainment and the the want to be the want to be famous uh, within entertainment, I, I actually always see that as an from an altruistic perspective. Of the more mm-hmm. famous I am, the more people see me, the more people I can make happy. Yeah,
1: exactly. exactly. Right? That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying.
0: Um. Anyway, um. This is about you, so um. <laughs> I I want to give you a chance to uh, say you know any last words, any last pieces of advice that you that you would like to give our audience.
1: Find work with people that you like working with. I think that's another another big one. Don't force yourself into a working environment. Like t- take it as your job. If you were if you got a like a, a part time job at a McDonald's, how long would you work there? If your boss was a jerk, your coworkers were jerks, if everyone you worked with were jerks, your working hours were in the middle of the night because you had to do like an na thingy or whatever. Do what makes you happy. Honestly, and, and it, again. Super-duper cliche, but it's just so damn relevant, especially to esports, because we are, before we get famous and before we get a saying, we are the ones that get pushed around. We are the ones that take the jobs that the other people maybe didn't feel like they wanted to do. And only do that if... uh, I mean, I was fortunate for those two months in the beginning that I had put the money aside to do so, right? So so only do it if you feel like you have what it takes to do so. Don't uh, force yourself into... Into like a depression mode where you have to work for people and with people that you don't like working with. I've always just backed out of that. Like I'm, I'm too old for for cliques and backstabbing and talking around each other's backs. I think that's uh, both pointless and also not very effective in terms of trying to create a good working space for everyone. So do what makes you happy and and find people that that you like working with. They don't. I mean, you don't have to go. Oh, but this guy has two hundred thousand followers. I should work with him if he's a jerk work with the guy that has 500 and make a thing of it together i mean just uh, work with people that make you happy to work with i
0: think that's excellent advice well thank you toby for for being on the podcast and uh thanks for all your time thanks for the advice and uh thanks for having me absolutely i hope to see you soon at, at an event near you
1: same and same likewise hopefully whenever all this uh, corona is passed and uh, we'll get together that'd be nice
0: yeah for sure thanks thank you for listening to esports odyssey if you enjoyed this episode you can follow challenger mode on twitter instagram or facebook where we announce all new episodes and share podcast related news you'll find all of our socials in the show notes feel free to email us at podcast if you have any questions from this or any other episodes or if you would like to learn more about challenger mode and what we do